After dismantling Wake Forest on Monday night, North Carolina is now 8-0 in ACC play. And maybe you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but you shouldn't because it's not going to. This veteran team can't let that happen. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and man, it is a joy to be together today, waking up on a Tuesday, day after just a drubbing of Wake Forest. I want to thank you everydayers in particular for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch to get your Tar Heels content every day. If you're new to the show or if you're not part of our Locked on Tar Heels Discord community yet, I'm just telling you, you're missing out and you need to come be a part of it. It's free to join. We just have a bunch of great folks in there hanging out that are Tar Heels fan. I've started saying, come for the Tar Heels, stay for the people. And man, that is so true. The link for that is in the show notes. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Um, make sure if you didn't watch it to go back and watch or listen to the live postcast from post game last night. For those who are watching on YouTube, I'm putting the link up in the corner right now. There it is for you. For those listening, that, uh, that show is in the audio feed for you already, so you can check it out there. All right, Carolina beats Wake Forest 85-64. to 64. The Tar Heels are now 16-3 and overall on the season. As I just said, 8-0 and in ACC play. First time they've gotten that uh, much of an undefeated start in conference play since the 2015-16 season. As I record, the Tar Heels are 6th at Ken Palm. 15th in offensive efficiency and up to third in defensive efficiency. That'll fluctuate. It always does, but that's where they're at right now. Obviously don't know on the net yet because it's not early enough or, you know, into Monday or Tuesday enough, excuse me, for that to have refreshed, but it is Tuesday and that means it's time for trivia Tuesday. Got a question for you. I'll ask now and answer at the end of the show. Carolina, as I said, is 8-0 in ACC play. I want to thank Travis K on Discord who asked a question that kind of led to me thinking of this trivia question. So it is this. When was the last time that Carolina started 9-0 or better in ACC play, which Carolina can obviously do if they beat Wake Forest on Saturday. So the last time that the Tar Heels started 9-0 in ACC play. So thanks, Travis, so much. Really, Travis asked the question, how many times has Carolina started 9-0 or better? Um, I got to be honest, Travis, it's really late. I'm very tired, but I'm going to research that and have it for you actually on Friday's show as we get ready for Florida State. So thank you, Travis. Great job. Okay, folks, let's get into this thing. What happened? What was the big picture takeaway from this game? First off, you need to know that Wake Forest is a really, really good basketball team that has just gotten a lot better because they got Damari Monsanto back over the weekend after his uh, really bad injury last year. And so great, I'm always so glad when guys are able to get back from injury. Hate seeing that. 
And so I say that to say, do not look at this and be like, oh, Wake wasn't that good. No, that cheapens the victory for the Tar Heels. Wake legitimately is a very good basketball team. What this shows you is how good, how elite the Tar Heels truly have become this season. I'm going to keep saying this till I'm blue in the face with it. You better enjoy every second of this because this, this is not a thing that happens all the time, particularly in the transfer portal era when you got different rosters floating around from year to year. This is special. For those of you that haven't gotten to experience this, or maybe you came aboard the Carolina train during the championship, uh, you know, run to the national championship game two years ago, enjoy this. I'm just telling you, for those who have been around for a while, you get it. But here's the good thing for me. I am not worried about this Tar Heels team getting fat and happy and blowing this thing as you see um, maybe some younger or more inexperienced teams doing. That's why I was talking about in the cold open. I'm, we don't have to worry about it because they're not going to do that. This is a team that recognizes what they've got. They recognize that it's legitimately the last go round for multiple players on this team. And so there's no reason to be worried. They are going to bring it every single time they step on the court. It's just going to happen because that's this collection of guys. And critically, I feel that way because of this defense, because the there will be nights when the shots aren't falling, but the defense travels. So that is part of this veteran team we've been talking about. I, I talked yesterday on the show about Carolina's closability, which we saw again against, um, excuse me, against Wake Forest on Monday. But I want to give you three other examples that I noticed on Monday of why Carolina's veteran experienced roster really impresses me. Number one, so three things here. The Tar Heels were able and willing to take the shots that Wake was giving them. Wake clearly was committed to not letting Carolina beat them from outside, and and Carolina wasn't in the first half. They were 0 of 8 from deep. But they took what Wake gave them. It took a while to diagnose that, but then ultimately, man, you saw Elliott and RJ just attack, attack, attack. Just go get twos, layups, high percentage shots. Um, And to their credit, for the most part, they were able to finish at the rim at a high percentage. You know, Um, so Carolina was willing to win that way. If that's what Wake was going to give, a veteran team recognized it and took it. So you look at the box score and you see, oh, Carolina only had eight assists on 32 made baskets. That's just a 25% assist rate, by far the lowest of the season. But in this instance, I'm okay with that, particularly because Wake is giving those lanes to the basket. So you just go and score and you don't necessarily always need to pass. But notice what happened in the second half as that was working. It opened up the three point shot more. And then Carolina went five of seven in the second half. Number two, why I loved this veteran performance. Look, or or why a second thing we learn about Carolina being a really veteran team is Armando Baycott. We've got to recognize how important he is. We've got to recognize that even if he's not getting a double double, it doesn't always mean he had a bad game. In fact, with the makeup of this team, there are going to be times when it might not be better for him to be getting double doubles. Mondo Armando Baycott's unselfishness is allowing team success to soar to heights that it otherwise simply 
could not. So you might look at this box score and say, oh, just five points, just seven rebounds. Okay, fine. But four blocks, a steal, all of these things, and then a whole truck ton of stuff that doesn't show up on the box score. Make sure you pay careful attention to the defense he played on Efton Reed. As Efton Reed was trying to bully his way to the basket, Armando was not having that. Uh, multiple times. We talked about these drives to the basket. So many of them were successful because of Armando's ability to seal off Efton Reed or whoever it was he was guarding. So I, I just want to challenge all of us to keep watching what Armando's doing and how he's stepping up his game in new and different ways that aren't always just like, all right, we need you to go out and, and get a double-double for us, big guy. He's doing other stuff. Third thing, uh, what a great example of why this veteran team is going to keep doing what they're doing was Efton Reed's foul trouble. Wake made this push at the end of the first half. Uh, Monsanto got those uh, those two threes and then had another two-pointer or two free throws, I can't remember, to go up two late. Um, and Carolina had held a lead for a while. Efton Reed at that point has one foul. It's like, all right, fine. He's going to the locker room with one. But RJ Davis, last possession of the half. Notice Carolina once again did not take that user to lose it timeout. Coach Davis just let them play second game in a row. Um, RJ drives straight at Efton Reed, gets that foul, that second foul on him. And at the time, I said, hmm, that might matter in the second half. And it did. Here's why. Uh, five minutes in, or just shy of five minutes into the second half, Efton Reed picks up his third foul. RJ Davis again. It was Carolina was up four. RJ gets a layup. This was right after his back to back threes. And then RJ gets a foul and one. The foul's on Efton Reed. Reed goes to the bench. RJ sinks his free throw. So, in, in the course of this, Carolina goes from a four to seven point lead thanks to getting more foul trouble on Efton Reed. But here's the other part of it. He checked out at 15.08. By the time he returned to the game at 11.44, just over three minutes later, the lead had doubled from 7 to 14, and it never went back to single digits. Reed was a force inside that Carolina needed to reckon with and dispose of, and R.J. Davis was almost single-handedly able to do that with that second and third foul within about six minutes of game time of each other. These little things add up in big ways. And these are the little things that veteran teams take advantage of. That's why I love what Carolina is doing. All right, we got to get to our Four Corners recap. We're going to go there in just a second right after this. The NFL playoffs are rolling right now, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Their app is very easy to use, and they got a bunch of different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, or you can find bets in the new Explore tab. How about some regular season conference odds? Let's maybe go to the ACC where Carolina now leads the odds at minus 340 to Duke's plus 380, Wake Forest at plus 1600. This is even before the results of Monday night and NC State at plus 5000 and everyone else is way worse than that. So if you want to get in on that action, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
All right, Four Corners recap. Here we go where we get into some of the nitty gritty of this game. For those of you watching on YouTube, I've pulled up the box score for you to watch and follow along with. Number one, the thing I was most concerned about in this game, and if you watched or listened to yesterday's show, you know this, was Wake Forest three-point shooting. The Demon Deacons came into this game 12th nationally in three-point field goal percentage. But I also noted how Carolina came into the game as one of the teams with the best three-point field goal defense in the country, particularly in the streak that they're on lately. And so I mentioned to all of us, hey, look, something has got to give here. And it did. And we all know what that was. It was Carolina that won the day. Wake finishes 3 of 20 from outside. That is 15, 15%. All that when, like, so let's take that in this small sample size of this game. And then let's look at the whole thing here. In the last seven games, which are all seven ACC opponents, Carolina has held those opponents, even with Louisville shooting 44%, to just 18.3% in the last seven games. That's 26 of 142. Only one of those has made more than five threes in a game. That was Louisville, who made eight. And only one of those has shot better than 22%. That was Louisville, who shot 44.4. So Carolina's last seven games, all ACC opponents all of them but one have been under 22% from three. So, look, I'm I'm still, like, Kevin Keats, what are you thinking? What are you thinking trying to say that Carolina's three-point defense is just like you're missing shots? Man, that, that doesn't cut it. Your team just couldn't do it because Carolina's three-point defense is great. And overall in ACC play, because remember, we played Florida State earlier in the season, so these last seven games plus that one, and you add in FSU, who was 12 of 28, overall, even with that, Carolina is holding all ACC opponents to 22.4%, and FSU is the only ACC opponent to make double-digit threes against the Tar Tar Heels. Excuse me. And what I loved about this specific game from Monday night is it's not just some random team. Again, Wake came in as the 12th best three-point shooting team in the nation. But when you look at where Carolina's at overall now, they are allowing on the season opponents to shoot only 28.5% from three. That is 13th best in the entire nation. And let me remind you, there are 362 teams. Carolina's three-point defense is elite you can take that to the bank number two in our four corners recap points in the paint another thing i was concerned about that we talked about on monday's show was some of the individual matchups of this game i was concerned with how carolina would match up with hunter chalice i was concerned with how carolina would match up um particularly with andrew carr obviously armando and ethan reed could go at it but then Andrew Carr had a couple inches on Harrison. And so there were just multiple spots where I was like, man, I, d- I just don't know. But let's take a look at the points in the paint from this game. Because while there were a couple times when those individual matchups reared their head because of Carolina's switching and what they're able to do, Wake Forest just mostly couldn't take advantage of it. Carolina ends up leading points in the paint 48 to 30. And so much of that was what we talked about a little while ago with Elliot and RJ just being willing to attack, 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 
get into the paint. I mean, it, you, you often think of points in the paint. You're like, oh, yeah, strong post game. Way to get, way to make those post passes and, and let them work. Sure, there's there's some of that, but um, you know, you had probably Harrison doing that more than Armando, um, and then Elliot and RJ getting to the rim. And so points in the paint, man. Great, great work from the Tar Heels there to not only win, but dominate that statistical category in a game where on paper, they probably should have been down in that regard. Number three in our four corners recap. Have you seen what the Tar Heels are doing in terms of fast break points lately? Because if not, you need to check this out. Come with me. Let me give you the Tar Heels fast break points from the last three games. So that would be, by the way, Louisville, Boston College, and now Wake Forest. Louisville, Carolina had nine fast break points. Boston College, eight. And on Monday night against Wake, 15. The opponents in those three games? Louisville, zero fast break points. Boston College, zero fast break points. Wake Forest, almost more comically, one fast break point. (laughs) Meaning that in Carolina's last three games, they have outscored their opponents in fast break points 32 to one. And while it's not as dramatic a number, last four games combined, 52 to 10, last five games to uh, last five games, Carolina has outscored their opponents in fast break points 70 to 18. This Tar Heels team, like it's crazy because we've talked so much about the defense. As well we should. But Carolina is doing it all over the place defensively. Like they're stopping fast breaks, but also they're getting it done offensively with their own fast breaks, not allowing uh, the opponent to get a set half court defense. So we look at this big picture going out to the whole season. Carolina's played 19 games, six teams. Carolina has held to zero fast break points. In addition to, um, Louisville and Boston College, also Clemson, Charleston Southern, Villanova, and Northern Iowa. Zero fast break points for any of them. There's four other games that Carolina has held their opponent to five or fewer fast break points, meaning that in Carolina's 19 games, they have held 10 of their opponents, more than half, to five or fewer fast break points. That's great defense. That's great transition defense, I should say, in particular. Well, well done by the Tar Heels. Fourth of our four corners recap. Let's go big picture defense. We've talked three-point percentage defense, but as we talked about in our four corners preview on yesterday's show, the big picture defense was a critical part of this too because of Wake's ability to score the basketball. Right out of the gate in this game, Hunter Salas gets a shot over RJ Davis, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, Wake's going to do this. But what Carolina did to Wake Forest in totality is a message not only to the ACC, but to the entire nation, that what the Tar Heels have been doing is not some fluke. It is a real, legit thing and is here to stay. Carolina holds Wake to a season low, 64 points. Their previous low was 66, and they did that against Virginia. Yeah. That's what the Tar Heels are doing. Points per possession. Carolina had allowed their last two opponents, Louisville and Boston College of all teams, to get back up over one point per possession. So I expected, man, the way that's trending a little bit, uh, Wake's probably going to be able to do that too. Nah, Carolina holds them back under one at .928. Really, really good stuff against, again, a phenomenal 
offensive team who, by the way, just got their three point sniper healthy. Carolina doesn't have a ton of game tape on him from this year. Just literally one game. And yet they did all of this. You gotta love to see it. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in recent seasons where Carolina has strung together a couple good defensive games. And I'm like, oh, a little cautious optimism here. Maybe the Tar Heels are doing something defensively, but then it'll be like, oh, it was just a little streak of luck or or maybe a couple bad offensive opponents. But this, now, what Carolina has done is a big enough sample size that we can say, in my opinion, that it's a real thing. This now, this defensive intensity and capability is the part of the DNA of this team. And by that, I mean, it's not just something they do or or happen on sometimes. It is inextricably woven into the fiber of who these Tar Heels are. And that's awesome. Their willingness, their ability to buy into the defensive principles has been remarkable. And, and when you look at, at how Carolina's defense has historically done, let's look at the Ken Palm numbers. Ken Palm goes back to the 98-99 season. In that time span, Carolina has finished top five at Ken Palm in defensive efficiency just three times. 05 and 11, they finished fifth. In 2007, they finished fourth. Never finished third, second, or first. But like that is the trajectory the Tar Heels are on right now as they are third coming off of just being fourth in defensive efficiency. And you know all these numbers, but let me just reiterate them to you again. Nine straight total opponents that Carolina has held to 70 or fewer opponents, uh, 70 or fewer points. All eight ACC opponents Carolina has held to 70 or fewer points. And yes, that does include the Florida State game. They had exactly 70. So great stuff from the Tar Heels. All right, let's get quickly to our shady stat of the game. We're going to RJ Davis. We'll talk more about him. We talked a ton about him on the live postcast. So check that out if, if you didn't catch it. Uh, RJ Davis has made multiple three pointers now in 16 straight games. How about that? Went four for eight on Monday night. That I bring it up because and make it the shady stat of the game because it sets a Carolina record for most consecutive games with multiple three-pointers hit. The previous record holder was Justin Jackson, who, oh, by the way, just so happens to hold the record uh, for single season made three-pointers for the Tar Heels. So RJ uh, continues to be on pace, depending on how far Carolina goes in the postseason, I might add, to break that record. Great stuff from RJ. All right. Got a couple questions from the live chat that I actually want to get to because they were, I thought, appropriate for this game. And one more reason I want to talk about this veteran team. And oh, by the way, Carolina exploded in the second half, and that's how they won. All of that coming up in just a second. All right, folks, we are talking about Carolina's 21-point victory over Wake Forest on Monday night to move to 8-0 and in ACC play. Now, if you watched just the first half of this game, you might have thought, all right, Okay, Carolina's down one. They they had a decent showing. Offense wasn't great. Uh, defense was okay, not as stingy as they have been. They got a fight on their hands. That's kind of how I was feeling at halftime. <laughs> but if you only watched the second half of this game, you would be telling a different story. You would be talking about how elite this team is because Carolina in the second half, coming out of the locker room down one, outscores Wake Forest. 52 to 30. And RJ was clearly the standout. For me, this performance on this national stage for the best team in the conference, assuming he keeps doing even remotely close to what he's been doing, 
this performance might have wrapped up ACC Player of the Year. Sorry about you, Kyle Filipowski. But now it's bigger than that. To me at this point, we are talking about R.J. Davis as a legit first-team All-American candidate. Uh, I also love that R.J. got to join Scott Van Pelt on Monday night to talk like that's the level of national attention. Not only RJ, but this team is getting, but I bring that up all that to say RJ spoke on SVP about how coach Davis really got into them at halftime about dialing it up. Coach Davis talked himself about how he challenged the team and boy, did they respond wake in the first half shot 44.8% from the field, 27% from three, Strong field goal percentage from Wake. And I just thought, hey, that's great. That's what you're going to do against a Wake team that's really strong. And 27.3, you'll kind of take that as a three-point field goal percentage. But as we've been talking about, that's still higher than Carolina once right now. They've held so many ACC opponents under 22%. But then, coming out of halftime, it was next level. Wake in the second half just went 8 of 30, 26.7% from the field, and 0 of 9 from 3. Yeah, you'll take that. Meanwhile, it was kind of flip-flop for the Tar Heels. They had a good, uh, you know, just shy of Wake's first half field goal numbers. They shot 43.3%, but they were 0 of 8 in the first half from 3. So it's like, oh, man. But then this is what changed it. Carolina in the second half in addition to their defense dialing up the pressure in response to Coach Davis asking them to do so, Carolina shot 19 of 31, that's 61.3%, and 5 of 7 from 3, that's 71.4%. So Carolina comes out of the locker room, and it's not just the defense, it's not just the offense, it's both of those working together to form a almost untouchable Carolina team in the second half, reeling off that closability kind of game. All right, let's get to two questions quickly that came in the live chat that I thought were helpful to unpacking this game one and the other kind of looking forward a little bit. Uh, This one came from Kevin Whitley, who said, how do you think coach Davis is utilizing the bench? Well, for me, Kevin, this is a great question. In the same way that someone said in the live chat, what a difference a year makes. Uh, just about the team in general. The same is true here of the bench. Usage this year is 26.7%. This is the first time it's ever been over 20% in the Hubert Davis era. Last year, 18.3% bench usage. Year before that, 19.8%. It's also true of bench scoring. This year, first time over 20% of Carolina's points scored in the Hubert Davis era. In fact, right now, after the close of that game, it's 24.3%. Last year, The bench scored 15.7% of Carolina's points in the year before that, 17.2. Now, to be fair, both the usage and the scoring output was lower on Monday night against Wake. Just nine points on Monday night. That's only the second time this season the Tar Heel bench has scored single-digit points. Uh, Usage also lowered the third lowest minutes played by the bench all season. But still more than 20% of the minutes played. And that's still more than the last two seasons. Like when you look at the minutes played by the starters, RJ had 37, Armando had 35, but none of the other three starters hit 30. Everyone else was under 30. So now you could argue that the starters should have been out of the game earlier, you know, a, a couple minutes. I can buy that. You know, they were just on cruise control mode for the final five and a half or so of the game anyway. So I, I could see getting RJ and Armando off the floor. But 
Coach Davis didn't. That's fine. Kevin, here's the biggest word for me, though, when it comes to my thoughts on Coach Davis's utilization of the bench. Trust. This is the first time I think he truly implicitly trusts his bench and not just like not just Puff Johnson, but multiple bench players to come in and do legitimate things. And that's great. And and chiefly that comes in the form of now Jalen Withers, who just keeps doing great things, Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington, within a little sprinkling of Paxson Wojcik and Zayden High mixed in. Zayden didn't get any minutes on Monday, um, and Paxson had about four, I believe it was. So there's that. But Kevin, that's the thing for me is the word trust, and you see that in how Coach Davis utilizes the bench. All right, the other question I was going to give the kind of looking forward, I'm actually going to save that. And uh, either Pack and I or Coach Rob and I will talk about that on Wednesday or Thursday. But I want to say one more. You know, earlier we talked about this being a veteran team and why I trust them. I want to give Harrison Ingram a quote on that. Uh, Not me giving him a quote. I want to allow him to speak something that he said on Monday night after the game that I think is the perfect bookend to today's conversation before I give you the Tuesday trivia answer that just again solidifies and puts a period on an exclamation point on why I'm not worried about this team getting fat and happy. You ready? Elliot or Harrison said this quote. One thing I think is special for our team is that eight and O in the ACC undefeated at home and all that stuff doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. We are trying to win a national championship, trying to win an ACC regular season title. So it's cool to be undefeated at home, cool to be undefeated on the road, cool to be undefeated in the ACC and set records. But here it is, folks, Harrison says. But at the end of the day, we've got Florida State on Saturday, so we got to get ready for them, end quote. Man, I'm telling you, this team gets it. Harrison's like, sure, we could care about all those big picture things, but those only matter if we take care of the next game in front of us on our schedule. So I love it massive win over Wake Forest on Monday night. And immediately, Harrison Ingram is looking to Saturday because he knows what happened last time they played Florida State, and that was in the Dean Dome. So they got a massive test ahead of them on Saturday, a big task, and Harrison Ingram wants to knock it out. And I know he's bringing his teammates along with him because he is keeping them accountable. I love it. All right, Tuesday trivia. The question was from Travis. Heels are now 8-0. and When was the last time UNC started 9-0 and or better in ACC play? As I said, they tied the 2015-16 team that got to 8-0, and but they actually lost their next game. I think it was Louisville to move to 8-1. and So the last time Carolina got to 9-0 and or better was the 2000-2001 season where Carolina started off actually 11-0 and in ACC play. So um 11th acc game this season if they want to tie that record the duke blue devils at florida state is game nine at georgia tech is game 10 and then home against duke so that's how carolina could uh tie that friends that is it for today's episode of locked on tar hills man it is great to be together celebrate this win again we'd love to have you come join the discord it's free link is in the show notes you can be with us there email the show locked on at gmail.com would love to chat with you don't forget to subscribe to the show on video and audio man the youtube subscriptions are blowing up right now thank you all so much it's great to see also smash the like button and if you would rate and review the show that helps us also expand the reach of what's going on 
Oh man, it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be back with you tomorrow. But until then, peace.